This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 11, the apostle wrote and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We, God's people, are described in the Bible using various figures of speech. We are described as being a kingdom. Christ is the king, king of kings. The Bible is the law of that kingdom. And when we are born of water and of the spirit, John 3, 5, we become citizens of that kingdom. We are also described as being God's family. God is the father of that family. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. We are family. Another way God's people are described is a, as a vineyard. Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the husbandman. And we are branches in that vine. The individuals are branches in that vine. And our responsibility is to bear fruit as a branch in that vine. 
Another way that we are described is we're an army. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. And we have volunteered to fight in this army. We are rebels in enemy territory, fighting Satan in, on his turf. And Paul told Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But another way we are described is we are a body. We are the body of Christ. I would think that all of us want strong bodies. I have yet to have a person tell me, you know, I would like to have the weakest body and the sickliest body I possibly could have. I haven't found that person yet. But to have strong bodies, we have to pay the price, don't we? We have to pay the price of just some common sense things, such as getting the right amount of exercise, right amount of sleep, proper amount of nourishment, for our bodies to be strong and to be healthy. Every one of us should want the spiritual body of Christ, the church, to be strong. Is that your desire? See the church strong? All aren't. The church at Corinth had some weakness in it. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 11 and 30, the Paul said, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you. That was just, he was talking about the abuse they made of the Lord's Supper. And Paul wrote in the Roman letter, we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities, those that are weak. I don't know of anyone that would stand up in this audience, I would hope you would not at least, and say, the church at Laodicea that was lukewarm was a strong church. Now for the body of Christ to be strong, there's a price to be paid. Ty Cobb is a baseball legend. Ty Cobb practiced sliding into third base until his hips were raw. He knew that if he was going to excel in his field, there was a price to pay. And there's a price to pay for the body to be strong, the spiritual body of Christ to be strong. So for just a few minutes, I want to talk to you for just, just out of my heart today about building up the Somerdale Church. You say, well, right here in the middle of the summer, Billy, and people are on vacation, I know that's the time to talk about it. There's always a, some reason that we don't need to 
that we don't want to come to grips with certain things. And in as much as I don't get to preach very often, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity. But there are three things that I want to mention to you that will build us up. First of all, we must love up the church. We love it up. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. And Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I've loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have a love one for another. Someone says, well, I, I know what you're saying, but you know, there, there's this person. Now, wait a minute. We either love or we what? In 1 John 3.15, John wrote, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And in chapter 4 and verse 20 it said, If a man says that he loves God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Love one another. Yes, we're to love one another. Now, I'm aware that sometimes there are conflicts that arise. They're, they had conflicts in the church at Corinth. For example, in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as to babes in Christ, just like little babies, immature babies. And the reason is in verse 3. There is among you envying and strife and division. See, that was the cause of it. That was the cause of the conflict. I remember Solomon's statement in Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 21. As charcoal to hot embers, embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. So there's going to be some conflict, but we're to love one another. When we have conflicts, please listen. Res the Bible teaches how to resolve those conflicts. You resolve conflicts face to face and not on Facebook. Did you hear me? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has ought against you, leave your gift at the altar, go, go, and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. That's resolution, isn't it? Resolution of conflict. Love one another. Folks, when we love, that eliminates certain things. When we love one another, there is no complaining, no grumbling, no cold shoulders, no criticism, that is hypercriticism. 
no gossiping, and no running away from the family. You see, if I love my family, I'm not going to just get up one morning and walk out the front door and my family wonders where I went. I won't do my family that way. Why? I love my family. If we cannot love one another here, how will we get along in heaven? We want to build up the church. Let's love it up. Amen? I, I, I must not be loud enough. I said we must love up the church. Amen? Thank you. I think somebody woke up back, right back there, right, right around where Wayne's sitting. Must have been Oscar. Now here's the second thing we got to do to build up this church. You have to attend it up. Did you know absenteeism is a problem in every area of life? It's schools. Schools get money allocated based upon attendance of the children. That's the reason they don't want them out. That is public schools. It's a problem on the job. It's a, it's a problem of the home. I, I heard about this woman that went to divorce her husband and and the judge said, well, what grounds do you want to divorce your husband? Said on the grounds that he's careless in his appearance. She said, uh, that's, that's strange. What do you mean? Said, well, uh, what I mean, judge, he hasn't made an appearance at home in about four years. Absent. And absenteeism is a problem in the church. And Sunday night, folks, is so neglected. So neglected. You know, in John chapter 20, John, John missed a service on Sunday night. Did you know that? John, I mean Thomas, rather. It was Thomas that missed a service on a Sunday night. Jesus, uh, after his resurrection, appeared to the to the, his disciples. But the text says over in John chapter 20 that Thomas was not with them. Notice verse 19 of John chapter 20. Then the same day at the evening, in the evening, this was a night service, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. But verse 24 Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, eight days later, Jesus comes back, if you'll notice in verse 26. And, and it, after eight days again, his disciples were within. Thomas was with them now. Thomas came to this Sunday night service. The doors being shut, Jesus stood in the midst and said again, Peace be to you. And Jesus said to Thomas, I want you to reach forth. I want you to, touch. I want you to see the scars that I got from where I was crucified. I want you to put your hand in my side. I want you to feel where I had that spear stuck in me. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas missed Jesus by not being there on Sunday night. Have you ever thought about what he really missed? He missed being with Jesus after Jesus was resurrected. 
He missed being with the disciples. He missed the encouragement that he could get from them. And really, he missed the Great Commission the first time it was given. He missed a lot. Somebody says, I'm not a mind reader, but I can hear it going. We don't really have to go on Sunday night. I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard, we don't have to go. You don't have to do anything. You get to, but you don't have to. Somebody says, well, I think as long as you go on Sunday morning, you get the crackers and juice. Everything's going to be all right. Folks, I'm, I'm, I'm product of my Tennessee rearing, and I don't apologize for it. But my daddy taught me that this is the Lord's day. And not from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock is not just the Lord's hour. The whole day is His. Amen? We need to care what happens to the church. All care. I don't know of anything that I have ever had to endure as a preacher to come close to Paul. He is beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, in perils, cold, naked, and hungry. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and following. But in verse 28, he said, besides that, in addition to that, that which comes up on me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul cared. He cared. Not just on Sunday morning, he cared daily. This is not a glorified country club. This is not some worship and social order. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood-bought, spirit-filled, heaven-bound body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must care. And I have a burden for the Lord's church today. I have a burden that makes me wake up early in the morning sometimes thinking about it. While you're snoozing, I'm thinking about this church. I'm thinking about what we need in this church. I have a burden for those that have grown cold. I have a burden from those that have drifted or showing signs of drifting. I have a burden for those that are just lukewarm. 
and Satan must be turning cartwheels in the middle of hell when he sees what's going on in some congregations today. Brethren, if, if they, I had a preacher tell me about 1975. People don't want you talking about going to church anymore. I don't believe I get my directives from what people want. It's what we need. Attendeth up. Attendeth. If we want to build it up. But then finally, that's the best part. We've got to pray up this church. Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Verse 3 and following. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine. For you all. Making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Paul loved these people. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. The very day the church began, Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship breaking of bread and in prayers. And in Acts chapter 6, when there was a dispute about the neglect of the Grecian widows and, and the, the apostles brought the church together and they appointed men to take care of that, the, the apostles said, now we're going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. When Peter was put in jail because he had been preaching the gospel, Acts 12 and 5 says the church came together and prayed. And guess what happened to Peter? He got out of jail, didn't he? We ought to be a praying church. And brethren, this church and every church needs to unite in prayer. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Verse 32 says they were of one heart and of one soul. Unite in prayer. Can you begin to imagine this morning? Can you really begin to imagine what would happen if we united in prayer we need to travail in prayer you see you travail in prayer when you've got a burden you travail in prayer 
when your heart is full and it's overflowing and you come to God and you cry out to God for relief, for help, travail in prayer. That's the kind of praying Jesus did. In Matthew 26 and 39 in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prevailed, prevailed in prayer. He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. He's talking about the cup of suffering. He travailed in prayer. So much so that the perspiration was like drops of blood on his brain. And in Luke 22, 43, there was an angel from heaven that came strengthening him. He needed heavenly strength, divine strength, supernatural strength. He travailed in prayer. Then I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 8. As soon as Zion travailed, She brought forth children. Now, if you read a couple of verses before that, it says that uh, children were born and then she travailed. And that's not right, is it? And, that, and, and, and he goes on in the next passage and says, who's ever heard of such a thing? That you, you have a child and then you have the pains. You have a child and then you travail over that child. That doesn't, that's not right. He says that Zion travailed and that's when she brought forth children. Nothing short of travailing prayer will bring forth spiritual growth in the body of Jesus. Listen to Psalms 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Paul had such a travail in his heart, such a pain in his heart for his brethren. He, in, in Romans chapter 9, he said, I, I, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my, my kinsmen according to the flesh. In the preceding verse, he said, I have great heaviness and sorrow in my heart. Travailing in prayer. Now, just suppose we saw a child drowning. And we know that child is about to go under the water for the last time. Suppose it's your child. You would travail you would cry out for help. And what about us travailing for souls that are sinking and drowning in sin? You know, it's hard to follow a casket to the cemetery when that casket holds the remains of someone that you love.
and we shed tears. Today, may God deliver us from cold hearts. And may God give us hearts that are broken for lost humanity. I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. And I hope this has been a blessing to your heart. And I want to urge you to, to pick up the telephone right now and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. And may I invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community, wherever you live. If you don't know where it's located, get in contact with us. And I want to urge you again, call for the Bible course. Actually, we have one of the courses that you can receive over uh, with this is being born again. What does that really mean? What does it mean to be born again? How are we born again? Is it what some people say? I want to know what Jesus said, don't you? About every subject, not just this one. Thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.